0: Welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Albo's most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next is
1: Elliot Diebold. And that was Reuben Morehouse. That's
0: me, and we're back to talk about Judgment 16.3. So we're back in the church, the uh, extended council is now here, and our ambassador Mags just starts getting, introducing people, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I love how this sort of opens with Rose thinking like, oh, you know, oh, Mags isn't the sort of person you'd send for a diplomatic meeting with the fairy or something, but she's really good <laughs> at connecting with the the more human elements in the room. Yeah. Um, and I and I think we'll see some more on this sort of beat later, but it, it's like an interesting opening, because the way Rose phrases it, she sets herself up as n- not... That
0: um... <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't clicked that hadn't clicked for me, but it's very true. She's like, oh, Rose uh, Mags doesn't really connect with me. She more connects with like the down to earth human practitioners. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I mean, wait, the the charitable read here is just that you know, Rose Rose is admittedly not a people person. And and so the the way she's phrasing it could just be her sort of saying, "Oh yeah, Mags is much better at this than I am." But just the way it was phrased almost made it sound like Rose wasn't interested in being connected with as much as she isn't. <laughs> yes, connecting to people. Well, like, I think that is
0: true, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean Blake's been helping to fix that though, right?
0: Well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> it seems uh,
0: Rose is resisting all that all his efforts.
1: Yeah, like uh, I, I'm so like I mean we we've, we've just been in Rose's head for three chapters now, right? Like I'm so interested where this is going for the rest of the arc. I can't wait. This is like where's Blake? What what's what's happened to Blake? I. Yeah, mm. This yeah. is gonna be great.
0: Yeah, um, the bit I'm most interested in from here is Sandra and how she is acting because we've kind of, I mean it, it feels like we've reached the end of her arc in some ways you know like we've reached the end of sandra's story um and i'm curious what it looks like for her next
1: yeah i had the same thought like where does she go from here because like as mags mentioned she recused herself from leadership of the family and that was like kind of her whole thing yes. um like you know I-, I think what's interesting about sandra is like we we, we always said. We kind of hated how much we liked her because she represented like a, a truly awful like sort of path forward. Yes, but there was something inherently likable about her, and she was always helpful to people like Mag. So there was always this really nice side to her. And as we move forward, I'm maybe hoping that she's just embraced that a bit more. Um, yeah, but then I'm also concerned she's secretly planning some sort of sneaky power grab um i can't rule that out based on what we've seen of her so i can't i feel like there's going to be some interesting sandra stuff in fit like slotted into this arc and i have no idea what it's going to be but i i think i'm going to love it
0: yeah it's uh it's really hard to know what's going on with sandra now i
1: i don't know i'm i'm interested to see i suppose I mean, she's obviously a little bit bitter about what Blake did earlier in the night, but you can't blame her.
0: (laughs) Yes, earlier in the night. It's good to keep in in mind that was earlier in the night, even though for us it was, you know, a few months ago. Um, She actually says, uh, Mag says something like, oh, she's head of what's left of the Duchamp family, or she represents what's left of the Duchamp family. And she says, not nearly as many as we had before incidents earlier in the night. She glanced at Rose, and Rose felt Blake stir, which is very much, Blake's just kind of like, yeah, fuck you, what of it?
1: Um, I don't know about that, like, because we saw, we got that image of Blake, late last arc, seeing, um, you know, footage of himself in arc 13, and being Mm. like, oh, that's not me. So... Mm. I don't know. I'm I'm I'd be interested to know if if there's some Blake in there that's like, "Oh, like, you know, I I did do an oopsie with all those murders." Um, <laughs> like this might be a more awkward stirring. Interesting,
0: maybe. I don't know. I feel like Blake is not one to ever critically reevaluate his actions.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, he's expressed guilt before. I th- I think he's I think that's one of the uh feelings about the past he lets himself have is sure. a negative one.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see, I suppose. Uh, so we've got the in- reintroductions of all the Jacob's Bell practitioners, and of course, next,
1: the folk from Toronto introduce themselves. Yeah, and I mean, this is pretty hilarious, because almost every single one of them is like, yeah, I'm I'm not very useful, I'm actually kind of shit, like, even... Even the elder sister kind of underplays herself a bit. Yeah, right? like she she juggles that as well as she can while still being like, "Yeah, I'm hot shit because I'm a lord." Um, <laughs> it's
0: so arrogant. She says, "I am the elder sister, Lord of Toronto. You should know who I am."
1: <laughs> like, damn. Yeah, it's definitely gone to her head a bit. Um, and and she obviously she takes the reins a lot. This yes, in in this sort of discussion, which makes sense. But um, it, yeah, I don't know. Just the thing I noticed in almost every single Toronto person's entrance was them being like i'm this person and just just like right now i'm not that useful so you probably don't even want me yeah they're they're such fucking cowards these these toronto people it drives me up the wall (laughs) um i (sighs) I think the only the only slight difference on this was was page and it well isadora's inter like introduction where she just is sort of like yes this is page and she's a tool for me to use some of my power with yeah um which is just like i love how blatant and open that is, because I think we all sort of knew that that's what it was, but um, Isadora doesn't fuck around with innuendo or anything, like, it's just, she's just, yep, uh, like, you know, Paige is my familiar so that I can do stuff, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's quite refreshing to to having Isadora back, (laughs) I had forgotten just how to the point she is.
1: Yeah, I I love Isadora as well, because she, like, you know, she was giving Blake and Rose shit, like, at the end of last arc, I think, or maybe early this arc. And I was sort of like, oh, 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 wait, Isadora. And then she does stuff like she does in this chapter. Where I'm like, yeah, go Isadora. Like, i forgot yeah, forgotten she's how. but she's just, like,
0: helpful. <laughs> she's really helpful.
1: Yeah, but, it, but at the same time, she's stubborn. Like, she has her idea of how things should work. And when you're deviating from that, she's just, like, a stubborn pain in the ass. But also, when she's on side with you and you're helping to create order, then she's so nice and helpful. Like, I yeah. it's a very... It, it, it's fun how consistent she is and how inconsistent my reaction to it is.
0: I think it's that... She likes being helpful when she likes you and when she's on your side, but she will never, like, active or, like, openly be help. like, she'll never admit that she's being helpful, you know? She will only <laughs> ever help in ways where she has plausible deniability for it later.
1: Yeah, or it makes her look really cool, like, when she does the, the whole yeah. wing thing in a little bit, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah, this is an interesting part, because we obviously kind of know all of these people already, and so it serves if it was just kind of straight reintroducing people it would be a bit uh dull but the reaction the real the real meat of this part of this chapter is rose's reactions as everybody's being introduced <laughs> which spoiler alert is basically just her dismissing people for not being useful
1: yeah well, and i mean they're doing that to themselves as well yeah um yeah, I, like I agree. I think it's one of those fun things. Uh, Walbo tends to do where he he's doing two things at once because the reintroductions are great. If like you've you've forgotten some details about who some of these people are, which I think would be like very excusable if you're reading the storm story normally. Um, and then as you said, like we've never really seen Rose's reaction to half these people. Yeah. So there's like a enough of a fun new thing that even if you do remember everything, you still get like Rose's reaction. And I mean, not everyone's being reintroduced. The Queen's man kind of finally makes an appearance and um, <laughs> he's a bit of a letdown. What a
0: letdown. Yeah. I think Rose's <laughs> specific expression and one that I think the audience shares is, I'd never spent much time thinking about him and it seems that was warranted. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. I like, yeah, I was so excited for him to be really cool and he's not. And I had the secret hopes that, well, I, I still have secret hopes that maybe he's underselling himself on purpose. Um, I sort of talked about how, you know, like here, here in Australia, the monarchy doesn't really have much power except when yeah. they want, um, like, you know, yeah. I'm thinking of, of like how things with Gough Whitlam sort of ended up, I know that was the governor general, but that's effectively the Queen's man. Yes. Um, so. Bit of
0: Australian history for you all there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, and I was just wondering if it's the same in Canada, like, is this one of those things where, uh, the Queen's man is kind of nothing except when he wants to flex, he can um yeah I, but i think i'm just grasping it. i want the queen's man to be cool straws
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> yes and i think the kind of um rigid power structures and order that monarchy kind of inherently represents is probably so- not something that plays well with demons in general
1: yeah it's kind of what the queen's man hints at as well yeah um he says he's going to be pretty useless against demons which um yeah as you said pretty fair
0: yeah um, so finally, Mags turns to the last group, not allied with any of the previous groups necessarily, which <laughs> is Rose and her compatriots, which basically just means the Bames.
1: Oh, uh, Paige stands up for this bit too, which was nice. Well, yes, that's um, a nice show of support. If, if stupid, I don't know why she did that. Anyway, um, like she, she's not really a part of the family. She got out. Um, yeah, but yeah, like, okay, I mean, something we, we sort of skipped on a little bit ago was, um. You know, as Rose was reacting to everyone introducing themselves, one of the things she also reacted to was uh, Mags seemingly, like, skipping her. Yes. When they did all the Jacob's bell powers, and Rose was like, oh, you know, what the hell? Like, you you just don't consider me an ally or anything? And then, you know, (laughs) of course, it it turns out Mags was saving her for last, which totally makes sense. Well, yeah, obviously it
0: makes sense, because Rose is at the center of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, and even when it happens, Rose is like, "Oh, she saved me for us." That makes sense. And it was just like, again, it's a thing where Rose is just completely sort of detached from Mags's like, yeah, w- like way of dealing with things. Like, and, and she was just a- annoyed and and paranoid about it. And and I wasn't really sure where that was coming from. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I I don't know. I mean, she's having a bad day,
1: right? Yeah. Well, yeah, aren't they all? Um, so, Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. I, so here's an interesting moment. There's this bit where Rose notices Blake is reacting to something that's going on and and she thinks she could feel his ag- agitation. He wanted to act. She suppressed it. And I don't know. Maybe this is uh maybe this is totally innocuous because it is the kind of thing that could just be totally innocuous, but it just feels ominous. The fact that Rose is like, "No, no, no, don't worry." I'm suppressing your instincts and your emotions. I'm just gonna do my own thing. Like, I don't, it just feels <laughs> the phrasing of "she suppressed it" as its own sentence just feels very ominous to me.
1: I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't get that read because I viewed it as something like you know, if you, if if you have that sort of agitation in yourself at a big moment, you will suppress it, right? So it's kind of like that's true. Like, it's what you would do to your own emotions, so I kind of saw it as mm. her just, like, sort of doing what you do to your own emotions, but sort of pushing that onto Blake as, you know, hey, chill out. I think yeah. one of the things she follows this up with is, like, Blake was ready, or is it later in the chapter where she's like, Blake was ready to act if he needed to, or maybe even if he didn't, <laughs> um, which is, like, classic. A, yeah, good little roast of Blake, um, and, you, and and sort of, I think, justifies her trying to suppress stuff like this. Um, but yeah, it could be more. I mean, Blake has presumably made himself very tiny um, inside Rose with all his donations. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, as I've already said, I just I just want to get back in Blake's head for a bit and find out what the fuck's going on in there, because it's got to be a mess. Um, <laughs> I, yes. I, I also have to admit, my, my read on this thing with Blake's agitation was also a bit muddled, because I don't think I understand what happened so so the the reason Blake gets agitated here in the, in the quote you read out was um they start talking about Johanna's and possession and mm. like, all this sort of stuff and I feel like I missed the point of it even the second time reading through it because Rose makes particularly a note about like something to do with the barber's shears and like a wholly different type of possession and she mentions nobody else knew all these pieces, like, even Blake and Tiff didn't fully understand. Yeah. And I I don't get what we were meant to understand from that. Like, I don't know if I've I've sort of made a mountain that's obscuring the actual molehill, Um, and it, it wasn't meant to be a big reveal, but it felt like the story was telling us something important here, and it's just gone completely over my head.
0: Yeah. So, there's these moments where Rose is talking about Johannes, and... How Barbie is possessing Johannes, giving him access to Faisal. And also, since he's fully kind of possessing this human, it gives him access to a bunch of things. Like he can more easily bypass, you know, the anti-demonic warding that Alistair knows, for example. Um I think it's just that we we're in a similar position to uh, to Rose and to Blake in this story, where we kind of know all these pieces, but it's easy to imagine that as Rose points out. Not a lot of people know every single piece, and putting it all together is. It, there is a lot. We've kind of become numb to the immense horror of this situation. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just the way this is all phrased. I felt like it was meant to be some revelation for someone, and I didn't. I. I can't figure out exactly what it was. Mm. Yeah. Uh, fair
0: yeah. Enough. I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Rose's strategy to this is, you know, tell people exactly how bad it is, which is a good strategy because the thought is, well, they will realize they literally have nothing to lose, so they must put everything into it. But it kind of backfires because everyone just kind of gets a bit overwhelmed and depressed by how unwinnable the situation is.
1: Yeah, it's sort of the delivery of that setup of Rose not having the human connection stuff because she yeah, she basically she's like, oh, they're all freaking out because they have loved ones to lose, and like, yeah, that's the thing for people and stuff. Yeah, um, it's, it's I sort, forgot sort of, to
0: account for that. God damn. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. My calculations were off. Um, yeah. Um, and I mean this 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 reminded me of some of Blake's moments, both in Toronto and Jacob's Bell, with like the Young Council. Just um, the Thorburns' inability to have conversations with people and convince them. They seem to need to convince people to do stuff by forcing their hand. Um, Yeah. I'm not sure if that's just because these situations and these people are so stubborn that that's the only way it can happen or if Ross just had no convincing people with (laughs) word skills so neither of them got any. (laughs) I think Um, it's...
0: I mean, I suspect that because of the way they are raised, they're so used to an environment where, like they're used to being terrified all the time and inducing terror in each other i think they just don't kind of understand that other people don't react well to having shitty situations thrust on them all the time
1: i i like that actually yeah that, that's a that's a good explanation
0: yeah Um, so there's this really fun bit as well where uh, Isadora asks a question of Rose and of course we had this (laughs) seeded a bit last chapter but I had almost completely forgotten that Isadora has a thing about if you answer her questions wrong, she'll kill you and Rose is going to answer but then Blake kind of, you know, nudges her and she remembers (laughs) and Isadora's like, no, no, it's fine like, we're off the clock, basically (laughs) it's so good it's just such a funny little
1: exchange Yeah, you're right It's, it's a great little, like beat that like you you sort of you're like what wait what's going on then oh yes uh, right of course oh yeah she'll just
0: kill you if you answer a question bad
1: and and i think it also works like it's great humor and it sets up this whole thing where isadora's like look given the situation i'm gonna chill yeah and and you're sort of like okay good like it would be completely unreasonable of you to, to start infighting here because people answer questions poorly. So I, I like that it, it kind of helps establish that Isadora's is going to stop that as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so Rose is kind of uh, revealing information to everybody at this point and basically reveals what Granny Thorburn's plan was, which is to just kind of undermine the lawyers through bad grandparenting.
1: <laughs> I mean, y- yeah?
0: Um, to have the family line end, I guess.
1: Yeah, I like I, I quite liked this explanation from Rose because like we talked I think it was the end of Arc 14 when mm-hmm. Blake clicked onto this that the yeah. idea was to sort of um have the family end. And I didn't quite see how it was meant to work. Yeah. And Rose's explanation here for whatever reason just sort of made it all the various steps of it be like ah oh, of course like and now now i feel like i understand why molly was sacrificed first because she was careful enough that she might have actually been able to achieve something so like Grady rose got her out of the way basically yeah. is, is how i'm seeing it now um so yeah I, I i don't know i just like this as something that made a previous reveal click a bit better in my head than it had before
0: yeah yeah it all clicks together
1: quite nicely um,
0: and it's quite horrifying, and I, I feel like we don't see enough um, empathy from the rest of the gathered parties here to the fact that Rose has basically just been set up to be a sacrificial pawn, similarly to Blake. Like, that's pretty well, shitty, I mean,
1: right? Yeah, but I mean, Elder Sister kind of points out in a bit, she's just done the same thing to all of them. So <laughs> Yeah, that's um, fa- <laughs> yeah, hard to Yeah, hard to feel too sorry for her when she's just spread the pain like that.
0: It's a fair point. Um, the other interesting part that that Rose kind of puts together here is Barbatorum slash faisal are really too chaotic to be allies to the lawyers, right They're kind of loosely on the same team, but Barbatorum is too much of a chaotic factor, and so it's not kind of obviously it doesn't solve their problem, but it's a kind of thread that will presumably be pulled out over the course of the rest of this arc slash story
1: yeah you're you're right it seems to be set up set up in this conversation that Combating Barbatorum and Faisal here is sort of the key to yeah. beating the lawyers, and, and and in fact, like something that's set up here is it that if they beat the lawyers, chances are the whole thing's going to shut down, or at least yeah. this branch will. Um, so that's like that's encouraging. Um, and you know, Barbatorum and Faisal seem like single things that can somehow be beaten. So you know that that's useful, but like yeah, that seems to be the direction the like the next combat is going to be headed in is we need to figure out how to stop those two, and we kind of win if we do that, yeah, um, so that's the win condition, I suppose seems to be yeah, I mean easier said than done though, <laughs> yeah,
0: um yeah, it's easier to talk about doing it, I suppose,
1: uh, yeah, well, fighting either one of them an arc ago was already a monumental task, and now yeah. they've kind of got the backing of the lawyers, yep. So Rose finishes her, you know, dumping her her
0: exposition all over everybody, Um, and everyone's just kind of a bit stunned by it, and also realises that if they speak out against Rose or speak out in favour, the momentum of the scene feels like they're just going to be argued against, and so they're going to lose whatever position is put forward. So nobody really wants to talk, and Rose's momentum slowly starts to slip away. Until one heroic, brave goblin changes everything.
1: Penis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's and, so it's, good. It's such a funny moment. I, yeah. I laughed out loud when... Because uh, like, like, the way it's written, you get so tense and you're just like, God, what's going to happen? Like, you. Know, I was waiting. I could have heard a penny drop in that church. And then instead of a penny, I got a giant penis uh, from a <laughs> goblin.
0: Yeah. Which is better, I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's really good. It's... It's just such a great summation of this world <laughs> and the roles that goblins play. Like, this world is so fucked up. Demons are eating everything slowly and humanity is trying to kind of s- stem the bleeding and goblins are just over there being
1: fuckwits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw, like, a comment from Walbo on this about, like, how useful it is to have goblins in, in this kind of setting. um, and-, and-, and, like, you know, characters like this. Like, I kind of feel like Imp takes the same role in parahumans yeah it's just someone or, or something that can just like break social rules and kind of you know it, like end uh stalemates like this like when something's yeah. going on then like you know imp will just come in and say something completely inappropriate and it, it diverts the, te- the tension in a way um and i mean you know it's it's it works it's very funny
0: yeah Definitely. It's great. It's such a good moment. Um, and it breaks the tension. It breaks the silence. And so other people can start talking. And Elder Sister starts talking and basically says, Hey, Rose, even if you're telling the truth as you know it, like, you're clearly a product of demons. Anything we do with you is just kind of playing into one demon or another's plan. Fuck it. Let's just wash our hands of it and get out of here.
1: Oh, man. I uh, You know, this is basically Elder Sister just... Making the thesis statement of the whole Toronto part of the story, which yeah. is just, oh, let's just leave it alone, because fighting it makes it get worse. And it's like, no, leaving it to fucking stew and constantly get little bits is what's making it worse. Like, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like especially, we're especially justified in thinking that this mentality is wrong, because Ur had a bunch of babies at the end of Arc 7. Yep. Um, although, admittedly, those babies came from his conflict with Blake, so... I don't know, maybe maybe there's an argument to be made, but it's kind of like, the whole point is, is if they beat the lawyers, even if there's more damage in the short term, then the lawyers are gone. Like, like long yeah. term, it it it's a thing. But, like, these people are just kind of like, oh, you know, it's better to just keep it contained and slowly lose more and more. And, it, yeah, it's just, like, it's a bit <sighs> aggravating yeah. because it's so exactly the opposite of everything Blake has been about for the whole story. Yeah, it it does feel like a great summation of...
0: Uh, of course, this is the final uh, argument that needs to be had. It's the argument of just let things go and they'll be fine. We can kind of deal with the fallout, but we don't have to deal with the root cause, which of yeah. course is wrong. <laughs> of course it's wrong. This whole book has been about how that's wrong. Exactly. Um, yeah. Evan has a very strong reaction to this because <laughs> Elder Sister basically says, yeah, I was passive enough that you got killed. Uh so of course, fair enough. Um, not just that; the whole argument is is basically the anti- antithesis of everything that Blake and Evan stand for.
1: Yeah, like I mean, that's the thing. Like Evan doesn't really get a chance to say his piece, which I was bummed out about, um, because he's he's kind of an example of everything that's wrong with that system. Like he's yeah. one of the victims that are kind of drip fed to these things to keep them appeased and and not as active as they otherwise would be. Um, yep. I think his 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 opening response of that is a bad bad answer is so perfect because it's just like it, it sounds like something a 7-year-old would say but is completely spot on. Um Yeah,
0: I mean he gets to, he gets right to the cut of it, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, like, I, I was bummed that we didn't get to hear the rest of his speech kind of grilling the older <laughs> yeah, sister. We
0: don't get to hear the rest of his speech because Mags just pulls out a fucking shotgun and shoots it into <laughs> the air. Like, <laughs> Mags, that's a bit over the top. Just get a gavel.
1: Yeah, well, it's that, you know, you spend enough time with goblins. Yeah. Um, It's the same pipe yes. thing that she used in Signature, right? Like, yes. the thing she used to catch buttsack. Yeah, it's a um, gift
0: from, from Andy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun Good times. times. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so elder sister kind of says her piece, uh, and and Rose basically realizes that she and elder sister, both of their plans start in the same way. Right. Uh, they both yeah. want Missus Lewis to come into the church, uh, and Missus Lewis is going to make an offer to let the people from Toronto leave free of harm if this all gets kind of resolved. Um, but of course, Rose wants everyone to say no, and elder sister wants to say yes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, I I guess Rose's plan here is to have Miss Lewis come in so that they can all say, nah, fuck off, we're gonna fight you, um, which will achieve making Miss Lewis upset, mm. Oh, like, I, yeah, I don't know, something, some of the logic here escaped me, again, where I was like, I don't quite understand what, why Rose wants this so bad, is it just... Is it the theatrics of having everyone make a stand against the lawyers? Because I mean, it's cool like that, and that's what I'm here for, and I guess the spirits might be too.
0: Yeah, my vibe on it is the the real thing that will kill them is indecision and like being half in and half out, and that's kind of what yeah. Rose talks about a bit later as well. Is if you're in, you're in, um, and so they they want to make sure that people explicitly say no to Missus Lewis's offer.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, well, so like as you said, there's sort of two concessions that Rose yeah. asks for if they're going to do this. Yeah, um, we'll get to the second one in a bit because that's a whole can of worms. Yeah, um, but the the first one is also interesting because her first con- concession that she asks for is basically everyone needs to be in on this. Like, if if everyone can't get out that wants to, then none of you can leave. Yeah. Um, um, and like I love it because first of all, you're such a hypocrite, Rose. I remember the visions we had in like nine point six, where you, you fucked up the Jacob's bell rules by yeah, not letting by them not be playing ball, yeah. Um, but like th- then the the other part of that concession is the elder sister isn't allowed to put pressure on people to make that decision, and it felt and and it gets called out as like a direct callback to the the conquest contest, yeah. From from earlier in the story, like, the way that... Like, that was one of the rules Blake set up very early in that. Um, So, like, I don't know if it means anything, but it just felt like a neat little, like, coming full circle moment.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised Elder Sister agrees to this, because basically Rose's concessions are in order to level the playing field. Because Elder Sister... If Mrs. Lewis had come in without these concessions, Elder Sister would have gotten her way 100%. Like, there's no (laughs) chance this would have gone the way Rose wants. And so Elder Sister just kind of agrees to these concessions because she thinks she can still win. Which is obviously, I mean, that's the same flaw that Conquest made, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, The old Thorburn strategy of being too weak to be considered a threat.
0: Yes. Um, And we don't see how it plays out, but we
1: will. Oh yeah, I imagine this that's just gonna be all of next chapter. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Um but yeah, so we, Yeah, we so, yeah, should we
0: talk about uh the second uh, concession is Rose basically tells people more about demons and humans and angels and how those three things interrelate.
1: Yeah, and this bit's probably just gonna go on for a while, so we're calling it our bonus bit um yep. tonight as well. Because like this 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 was like one of those mind explosion moments for me, like I read this and it was like, Oh, how did I not see this the book has been basically jamming all the individual parts of it down my throat for like arcs and arcs and then you sort of see it all tied together and I was like oh my god that's perfect
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it's it is good isn't it um so do you want to well why don't you
1: summarize it for us Elliot yeah well so basically Rose Sr. has come up with the theory that Rose Jr. is now telling us that um Humans kind of exist as a third major force. Like, we obviously have the the angels that create and the demons that destroy, and humans have become sort of such an embodiment of change that we're we're sort of rising or we have risen to becoming the third tier that's almost an equal force. And, like, part of the proof of that is how, like, our change has influenced the angels and the demons, which, again, is... it's one of many little details in this speech that I was like, Oh fuck like of of course, it was right there, yeah, um yeah,
0: yeah, that's good, isn't it? I think the thing that I like the most about this is it raises the question of the abyss in such an interesting way because yes. it 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 means that the abyss is this intensely human place, right, like it is a yeah. place that is defined by changing things, and it it makes so much sense as. You know, as humanity has come and and humans kind of folklore and thoughts have ar- arrived in this world, the abyss is, has been built up as this place that's kind of the pure manifestation of human change energy.
1: Yeah, like well, that. That was exactly the thought I had. Is is e- the abyss maybe didn't? Ex- well, I I see the abyss as the underlayer of reality. I suppose, yeah. like like you know, is where you fall through the cracks of reality. You end up in the abyss. So there's a chance it was just representative of destruction and loss, like maybe there wasn't an abyss and things just got destroyed when the demons well, were top dogs. And I think maybe what's happened is, as humans have grown more powerful and and taken a stronger hold on reality, what's happened is the base layer of reality has come to represent what humans represent, which is change. Yeah. So so maybe in in the past, the abyss operated very differently, but now it kind of operates based on the feedback it's getting from above it in reality.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of think of it as the third place, you know? Like, obviously, we haven't had any discussion of, like, heaven or hell in these stories, but obviously the, the Christian, at least, idea of angels and demons ties quite closely into those. And so angels yeah. as a creative force leads to me to think, heaven, okay, that's a place where things get created, right? Um mm-hmm demons as a destructive force, hell as a place where things get destroyed, and as humans have entered the scene, there has become this kind of associated third place that is just the place where things go when they need to change.
1: <clears throat> yeah, when they need to be recycled. Yes. Yeah,
0: which I absolutely love as just like and it it leads so nicely into we've had so many conversations about you know, about the abyss and about how well, yeah, actually, it's horrible in a lot of ways, but also there's these really interesting communities, and there's lots of really good people there, and lots, lots of really interesting things that remind me of the idea of like humanity is so broad. Like humans mm. do some obviously evil shit, but also do some really nice shit, and that's kind of what the abyss is to me. It's we see it through the lens of doing bad shit a lot, but also there's just a lot of good stuff in there because it's this very human place.
1: Well, yeah, and and like I think. Either way, the Abyss kind of takes its form and, and gets its ideas from whatever is falling through the cracks. Yes. And it just so happens that the world of Pact is a piece of shit, so most of the stuff falling through is awful. So that, yes. like, the Abyss is just kind of taken after what it was given. Yes, I suppose
0: um, the Abyss more takes after practitioners than humans, specifically. Uh,
1: yeah, 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 probably. And, and like, you know, I think we've seen some others and some shitty gods down yeah. there. Um so yeah either way i i don't know i i guess i don't know enough about the afterlife to to know if i think the abyss should be right. held on the same account but i kind of like both our theories so yeah sure uh e- either way yeah um i yeah i mean i guess so to go to go back to the main sort of r- reveal that you know humans are this sort of third force i I just love it cuz we we talked so much about how humans did seem to have a special place in this universe and part of yeah. that was that there was no side for humans like yeah. you know that they can be good or evil and it's like because yeah they are We 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 are the third option I mean it's it's great cuz it ties into to Blake and Rose's whole yes, thing totally. a bit. um and and yeah like just again it's just one of those reveals where I see everything clicking into place like all the stuff with like what Solomon did when he created the seal of Solomon um, that would have been one of the first big major changes. Yeah. Um, oh, maybe not one of the first, but that would have been one of the big major changes. And I think that that's great because Solomon kind of, and we used to talk about this a lot, he serves as the evidence that humans can yes. change the order of things. Like the, the seal of Solomon has changed things for angels and demons as much as everything else. Yeah. So there is precedent for this stuff to be flexible. And I think what's fun is everyone constantly talks about how these systems, you know, they're they're reinforced over time and they get harder and harder to change. But it, it, like, if humanity's thing is change, then like, fight it, you know. And I guess that's what Blake and Rose have have kind of always been about: is this sort of like, nah, fuck it, like we can do better.
0: Yeah, um, I think the thought, the the problem with that that it comes up is the more humans there are, the more that by default things will be reinforced to stay the same. So therefore, the more of a kind of the more momentum you need to make something change.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because it's like, I guess I kind of view it as, as, on a, like, if we're talking about the spirits as, as this underlying, you know, yeah, kind of impact there, they're kind of the equivalent of the, I don't know, symbolic atoms of the universe. I see demons as, as things that destroy and, and corrupt spirits, angels as things that create and empower spirits, and then humans as things that will just like alter spirits yeah and and you're right like it's kind of if you can lead all the humans to think one thing and then they're going to affect all the spirits to do it yeah then like you're right like you you sort of got to move the people and i mean i guess that's what rose is trying to do here is we've kind of got all the powerful people gathered in in jacob's bell and now she wants to change their minds and hopefully if she changes all of their minds that will have an effect on the spirits yeah Fingers crossed.
0: We'll have to see, I suppose. Um, Yeah, because the next thing that happens is they let in Mrs. Lewis and she offers an out and there's silence. So who knows what's going (laughs) to happen?
1: Yeah, I mean, the next chapter is going to be very fun. Like, who's going to step up? Yeah. Will people take it? Will will people
0: not take it? Will a goblin just yell out penis again? I can't wait (laughs) to find out.
1: Yeah, I I can't wait to see. I feel like some people are going to be on either side of this and it's going to be a really fun debate with Miss Lewis. Yeah, a pain in the ass in the middle and probably adding restrictions to <laughs> cause things to be harder. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I'm sure. it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh so we'll have to see what happens next time on in Judgment 16.4 because that's the end of our episode for today. Thank you for yep. joining us folks. If I mean you're... I
1: have I've have more I have more to say on the rose thing if <laughs> Oh yeah, let's <laughs> hear it. What else you more? got? Um the the whole Becoming a practitioner as, as being this trade-off between being human and being other, mm. I I find like I find that really interesting. I still that hasn't quite clicked into place for me, but mm. I feel like that's saying something about this whole thing because at the same time it lets you make more change, but it makes you le- less human. And in some ways, like we see a lot of the more othery things, like when Blake was very abyssal, he he was almost less change-driven. He was he was trying to reinforce. I, yeah, I, actually no, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm curious if you have any thoughts on- Yeah.
0: I I mean, yeah. We're getting close enough to the end that there aren't that many big reveals around this stuff left, so I can give you my full unbridled speculations about this. My thoughts on it are, we've got humans, angels, demons, right? And those are the three major things, but others don't really fit into that specifically. I mean, some do, obviously. Some of them (laughs) are angels or demons, and some are quite- Close to that, you know. Um, Boogeymen maybe are halfway between demons and humans, right? Uh, But I do think there is something else. I do think there are, like, dotted around this kind of three-dimensional, you know, graph, there are other points that are others. Or or maybe it's even not three-dimensional. Maybe there is another dimension that's like, I don't know, fucking ghosts or whatever. Something that doesn't quite fit as as a place between humans, angels, and demons. And I think that's that's where practitioners end up. Depending on their specialization, they they move away from human, but not necessarily towards angel or demon, towards some yeah. other axis.
1: Well it could just be they're moving towards the the, the stuff, right? Like like <laughs> that, that was a terrible sentence. Yeah, yeah um, sure. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you've got you know angels who create demons who destroy humans who change, but what are they changing? Well they're just yes. changing The the universe, and it's you're sort of giving up your humanity to simultaneously be more a part of that universe, which I guess gives you boons and stuff. But you also give up part of your humanity. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I yeah, I I want to I want to sit on this more. I feel like there's something here, but I'm not. I'm just not quite getting it. Fair enough. um, I also love how all this stuff fits into these societal metaphors we've we've all sort of talked about. Like, I think this is the story. Like, if we talk about you know the the capitalism or whatever metaphors of the practice, yeah, like this is this is the story kind of call like calling people to arms, yeah, to fight For change, it's,
0: it's hopeful, right? That's what I yeah. like about it. Is it's it is a message that's talking about hey, yeah, there's a, re- a lot of really powerful forces in this world, but humanity is one of those powerful forces, right? Like, yeah, the fact that we can um, <laughs> the fact that we can significantly affect our planet and make it uh, shittier also implies that we can significantly affect it to make it better
1: yeah and i mean this is what i loved so much about this this reveal was because i'd sort of been waiting for this like a like with the societal metaphor in mind for so much of the story i was kind of waiting for what the story said to map to that and i didn't think wild Bo was the sort of person to just have the message of his story be like yeah it's it's shit don't bother um yeah so i was sort of waiting to see how hope of some sort would be injected and like, this is it. And it's so, it's so perfect. This is the thing about Wild Stories that I find really interesting, right? Because in a lot
0: of, I'm going to call it science fiction, even though I know that doesn't really apply to Pact and neither does it apply to Worm really, but it does in some ways. So let's just use that label, right? Sure. In a lot of science fiction, there's there, something that I really hate in it is like things being huma- human-centric, Right treating humans as hey we're this really special thing and yeah i i say that but i love these bits i love the way that Wildberg gets to that in his stories because it's never just humans are special because we're the default you know it's always there's this there's this uniqueness about sentience that we possess and i'm sure if pact was set on Fucking Grabnar Five, the planet out in the in the solar system, we'd be having a conversation about how actually Grabnoxians are the ones who possess this special power. But it's just kind of intrinsic that as a sentient force, we have this ability to change, and it leads back to this trope that I actually usually hate, but just always seems to work for me in Wild Boy stories. I love it.
1: Yeah, like I think we've touched on this before. This idea that there are a lot of stories in fantasy and and you're right in sci-fi that put a special emphasis on on the importance of humanity. Yeah. And it's not always done well. Like, sometimes it just kind of feels like a lazy superiority complex. Yes, like, exactly.
0: Or similar to something like a prophecy, where it's kind of like, well, that just makes it boring, you
1: know? Y- yeah. Like, sometimes it just kind of feels like, uh, yeah, humanity is just... The the good flexible thing because that's what it is in lots of other stories and yeah you're right like I think why it works in here so well is because Wabo's kind of earned it yeah um it's it's been built up to and makes sense with the rest of the universe around it yeah totally it's not just it's not just oh well yeah sure elves are immortal but like humans we we die so that makes us cool in our <laughs> own way
0: yeah it's who wants to be the fucking mario you know when you can pick four characters who wants to be the, the human instead of the orc or the you know elf but yeah exactly I, no you're right it, it it's always it, he always comes to it in an interesting kind of path which makes it great in my opinion yeah yeah um anything else <laughs> i guess we just ramble on until you want to wrap up
1: <laughs> um i don't know i i, I... I don't have anything meaningful here to say, but I just want to call out the angels for being shit and failing to adapt.
0: Oh my god, guess- fucking hell, Faisal! such a waste, <laughs> am I
1: right? What a waste of space. Like, it's, it's this whole thing where, like, somehow the angels managed to get a resurgence in the battle for the universe, according to, like, the Rose Senior theory. They managed to seed life. This life has turned into something that is helping to change. And instead of, like, working with it to fight the demons, they just started fighting it because they're like, no, yeah. that's not how we want things to be. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Idiot, idiots. I'm, idiots so, with I'm so with you. I'm so with you.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine how much change could have been made in Jacobville if Faisal was, like, on side? Fuck, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, 100%.
0: <sighs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> That's the end of
1: uh, of our
0: discussion on Judgment 16.3. Thanks for joining us, folks. If you want to leave your thoughts on just what the coolest part about humanity is, you can do that in our discussion thread. Or leave us your answer to our discussion question, which is, in what kind of situations is it okay
1: to use a demon? We're still seeing
0: a lot of answers that are very uh, never ever kind (laughs) of. I've seen one or two that aren't.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are maybe treating this more academically than I sort of (laughs) pictured. Like when, because like yes, you're all right academically. You always end up in a worse situation in the long term when you use a demon. Like the the story's made that very clear. Yep. But humans are dumb shits. Like we were just ragging on the angels. We're not that much better. Yeah, we're shit. There's gonna be situations where I think you're going to take the short term gains for the yeah. long term losses uh, or maybe maybe I'm just worse than all of our listeners. Um
0: <laughs> maybe we should ask when would you use a demon <laughs> not yeah. when is it okay to when would you you know yourself yeah. come on there must be a situation.
1: <laughs> yeah like I guess in what sort of situation do you think you would make that make that bad long term play yeah. for a good short term gain because I could see myself being dumb enough to do it in certain situations. Oh, yeah me too unfortunately I know I would I'd, I'd stupid about it i mean um, it's the whole premise of diabolus really <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. the whole thing
0: yep is uh, the shortcut route you know <laughs> um so leave us your thoughts on that in our discussion thread which we link down below Or well, hey while you're leaving us stuff why don't you leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice
1: Yep, those reviews go into the algorithm, and more yep. people finding the podcast is what comes out. So, yep, who knows what goes um,
0: on in between, but uh, not us, yeah. I guess.
1: It's, it's a bit of a bit of a black box. Yep. Uh, it, you know, and while you while you're doing the rounds on the internet, helping Deep Impact out, um, you could also head over to our Twitter, give us a follow. I think that helps probably. Yep. Um, it's it's where my live reads are too. If you're interested in that, um, there's I mean, I'm assuming as we get to the end, there's going to be some oh shit moments. So I can't wait to (laughs) just type out tweets that are just oh shit. However many times that fits into 280 characters.
0: Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Nobody can do that math. It's too difficult. (laughs) I think it's 20. No, that can't be right. 40. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's 40. It's 40. Okay. Because oh shit is seven characters times four is... Twenty-eight characters times ten, two eighty. Boom. But I think yeah. tweets aren't tweets five sixty now? Didn't tweets get bigger? Uh, Talk about I, humanity's capacity for change. Who would have ever thought tweets <laughs> could get more than two eighty characters?
1: There can't be that many, because I'm always running out of characters in my live reads. Like there are like there are surely people who read them must think like I have the worst sentence grammar. And it's like that that is true, but also <laughs> it's made worse because like, I sometimes just have to delete a word to fit it into 280 characters.
0: Yeah. You just type, oh shit, too many times, I guess. <laughs> um, while you're checking out our Twitter, why not check out our website as well, uh, doofmedia.com, the home of all the great shows on the Doof Media Network, and there are a lot of them.
1: Yeah, uh, Kingslingers, we've talked about it a bunch. It's mm-hmm. it's really taking off. I'm very excited to dive into the, the new episode. Yeah, Sling That King. Yeah. Um, and there's also a book club tomorrow, yes. uh, which is on Children of Time, which mm-hmm. is like, uh, I, I haven't quite finished the book, so I'm going to miss the the book club live, unfortunately. But uh, it, yeah, like, you know, and obviously if you're a patron of Doof, doofmedia.com, but no, patreon.com forward slash doofmedia, yep. um, you get to help vote in which books are in the book club. So you can, you know, try and get whichever books you like covered in the book club.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you want to get access to that patron vote and all kinds of other great perks, again, go to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. There's all kinds of cool things you get for backing us at various levels. If you back us at $1, you get access to the Discord, which is the best, which was recently described by a Discord user as the nicest and most wholesome community on the entire internet. So um, <laughs> be a part of it. Unless you're bad, yeah.
1: then don't do it. <laughs> no, we'll <laughs> fix them. Um, <laughs> we'll turn you around. <laughs> uh, and speaking of patrons, uh, you should be a patron of Wildbo. Heck yeah. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Wildbo. Uh, I mean, if you're not reading Ward now, you should go do that. It's real good. And yeah, man. It's the patrons that are making Ward happen. Yeah. So thanks. I mean, Wildbo too, but the patrons. No, haven't. no,
0: no. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's just the patrons. Um, thanks patrons uh, yes uh, and thank you for joining us uh, our next episode as we said is Judgment 16.4 and that's coming out on Monday the 3rd of February so we will see you then see ya